Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. The Bowery Boys, episode 64, Greenwood Cemetery. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. The Bowery Boys is brought to you by Eurocheapo.com. Eurocheapo editors personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. Now with hotels in New York City. On the web at Eurocheapo.com. Hello there and welcome to the Bowery Boys. My name is Greg Young. This is another in-between solo show this week. We're all alone in a cemetery this time around, not only perfect for October, but perfect for fall. If you've listened to any of our random sampling of our prior podcast, you've probably heard about a man or a woman who's currently spending their eternity right here at today's topic, Greenwood Cemetery. This really is one of the most beautiful developed areas in Brooklyn, believe it or not. And especially right now with the leaves are just beginning to change, it can be really gorgeous out there. And Greenwood's not exactly your typical final resting place in the first place. Contained on 478 acres, Greenwood helped Brooklyn on its way to becoming a vastly influential city in the 19th century. It's the final home of some true New York icons, mixed among 600,000 other people who have been interred there since its opening in 1838. Despite the subject matter, however, this is far from a morbid show. It's filled with savvy land speculators with funny names clever ploys to attract the rich, and a lot of really misdirected parakeets. You can find Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn. It's between the neighborhoods of Park Slope and Sunset Park. The easiest way to get there, basically, is to just take an R train into Brooklyn and get out at the 25th Street stop, and it's just a couple blocks up from the Dunkin' Donuts. We need to back up all the way to the beginning of the story of Brooklyn here, because the story of Brooklyn's home for the well-to-do dead starts at the birth of Brooklyn's home for the well-to-do living, Brooklyn Heights. Now, on paper, a place like Brooklyn Heights should have never sprouted up in the first place. In the year 1800, Brooklyn was a mere village, well over 150 years old, and originally founded by the Dutch as Broekelen, named after a city in the Netherlands. Now, under British rule, Brooklyn was actually one of six towns in this area that they called Kings County, the other five, incidentally, being Flatbush, Flatlands, New Utrecht, Gravesend, and Bushwick. Perhaps the most distinguishing moment in the young history of Brooklyn Village is when George Washington and the Continental Army escaped from here under cover of night in the year 1776 to return back to Manhattan. But this quiet little farmer's town was about to experience a rather unexpected boom in part to one man, and his name is Hezekiah Beers Pierpont. 
The Pierponts would be one of Brooklyn's richest and most prominent families. Back in the early 1810s, however, Pierpont was a newcomer to Brooklyn, a former gin distiller who had married into money and then focused his attentions on this picturesque little cliff right up next to the village, a cliff called Clover Hill, which provided really spectacular views of the busy New York Harbor and basically everything up and down the East River. Buying up a good portion of the land here on Clover Hill, Pierpont had his sights on luring some of New York's richer families to build large homes here. One problem, of course, there were very few, in fact, almost no reasons for the Manhattan wealthy to visit this veritable wilderness. Luckily for Hezekiah, however, providence and new technology would shift the winds in his direction. In 1816, Pierpont, some Brooklyn citizens, and a few of the land speculators got the state of New York to provide Brooklyn with a town charter, allowing the city to expand, develop streets. In essence, they got the license to grow as a town. A couple years earlier, Pierpont became an enthusiastic supporter to inventor Robert Fulton, eventually leading to the construction of the Fulton Ferry System, taking passengers between New York and Brooklyn easier than ever. So now you had a thriving town, and now a way to get there kind of easily. Now all you needed was a reason. Pierpont began advertising his land rather aggressively, hiring his own surveyor to actually create very attractive plots tailored to larger homes. Making this rather formerly distant place all the more attractive were the yellow fever epidemics that hit New York in 1819 and 1822, forcing those who could afford it to move across the water. By 1830, the once serene Clover Hill now renamed Brooklyn Heights, had become a commuter's community and a new residential center for New York's nouveau riche. On April 19, 1995, a federal building in Oklahoma City was destroyed in a domestic terrorist attack. Just days after the bombing, America discovered the perpetrator was right-wing extremist Timothy McVeigh, whose mindset and values are still very present today. It's an American tragedy, but one I still remember very vividly. But there is so much more to the story than what you might remember. Take a deeper look into this moment of history with the podcast Homegrown OKC, hosted by Jeffrey Tubin and based on his book. The Homegrown OKC podcast is about better understanding the political environment in our country today. In particular, I found fascinating all the original archival footage used in the show, sounds which brought me back to that time, but with a richer understanding of events. These episodes were thrilling to listen to. That's Homegrown OKC. To listen, search for Homegrown OKC in your podcast app. That's Homegrown OKC. Now, I basically lugged you through all this sort of short history of Brooklyn Heights to get to one man. That would be Hezekiah's son, Henry Evelyn Pierpont. By 1834, when Brooklyn was finally incorporated by the state as a real genuine city, the Pierponts had become one of the first sterling families of this new city, leading the charge to develop new streets and institutions. In fact, Hezekiah had sent his son, Henry Evelyn, to Europe for some inspirations on how to develop their new city, taking notes, lolling about cafes, meeting with dignitaries, you know, the kind of things a man named Henry Evelyn Pierpont does very well. Henry was a dreamer on an even grander scale than his father, and equally as smart. 
When he returned, he essentially became Brooklyn's first real city planner, laying out the potential sprawl of the city. He knew that the growth of Brooklyn would develop in part from providing things that New York could not, in effect finding the inefficiencies and taking advantage of them. It's on this note then that Henry turned to the dead. The population of New York City was booming, and with it, of course, the value of its land. Tasteful burial grounds for the wealthy were usually in churchyards. However, a trend was developing involving small marble cemeteries and peaceful fenced-in plots. New York's first two marble cemeteries are actually still with us today in the East Village and are occasionally open to the public. The problem with these marble cemeteries, though, is that they simply couldn't be very large. They needed all that space on the island for actual buildings and places to live. The city was outgrowing these small little plots. So imagine being Henry Evelyn Pierpont and having that shaking around in your head when you throw in an even more appealing ingredient to go with it. This hot new European trend of garden cemeteries, sometimes called rural cemeteries, vast acreages of land right outside major metropolitan areas that would be landscaped and could be used not only to house the dead, but could even be used as destinations for recreation in their own right. In fact, in 1831, the United States had finally gotten its very first garden Cemetery, Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which Henry visited and became immediately inspired. So, using his influence among the other great families of Brooklyn, including the Skarmerhorns and the Bergens and the Wyckoffs, Pierpont was able to acquire some lands around the sparsely inhabited hills and grazing pasture that was close to the Gowanus River. Never one to lose a day, even during a crisis. He was even able to snap up some quickly devalued land being sold by farmers affected by the financial panic of 1837. In this way, he was able to scrounge up about 175 acres, including the highest point in Brooklyn called Battle Hill for its involvement in conflicts during the Revolutionary War. Pierpont even took his landscape artist from a bright Manhattan idea. The designer David Bates Douglas had worked to help design the Croton Aqueduct, which had brought fresh water into New York for the very first time. Douglas's job for Greenwood would certainly have some practical things to consider, but he was mostly assigned to design it as a sort of proto-park, with landscaped hills and trees surrounded by roads that people could ride their carriages around. Greenwood would not only be a place to mourn a lost loved one, but would be a respite from the city, and would even be able to provide moral and ethical guidance in its tranquility, the same kind of lofty ambitions that would later be used by Calvert and Vox to create Central Park. First and foremost, though, it was to contrast to the big city of New York. To that end, a working name they had been using, called the Necropolis, was abandoned as it literally meant City of the Dead, and plus it also kind of sounds creepy. And so the original name of this area, the most lush, natural name you could possibly imagine, was finally settled upon, Greenwood. The cemetery opened in 1838 and would not actually be the early hit that Pierpont really wanted. It was still considered quite far, and many conservative New Yorkers were still uncomfortable being buried with nary a church in sight and such far distance. For a few years, in fact, it looked as if Pierpont's romantic dream of heavenly peace in Brooklyn would essentially go bankrupt. But the rich are predictable people. In 1844, Greenwood adopted a philosophy similar to to a hot Manhattan nightclub today. You want people to come? Get a famous person there. So the savior of Greenwood Cemetery, believe it or not, is a man who has already been a hero of a great many things in New York. He was a former senator, a former mayor, a former governor, and the man mostly responsible for the Erie Canal. That's right, 
DeWitt Clinton would save Greenwood even in death. Although he'd passed away in 1828, Greenwood received permission in 1844 to move Clinton's body from Albany to Greenwood, where he would be placed underneath a glorious monument, a shining beacon for New York's wealthy, that announced finally this was the place to rest for eternity. From then on, Greenwood boomed, not only to bury your loved ones, but as a recreational parkland. I mean, keep in mind, this is many years before the development of Prospect Park. All the way out on Coney Island, it was just beginning to have a few exclusive resorts built out there, but it was certainly not a place to go for recreation. And even Central Park was barely a gleam in the eye of New York Midtown. As Greenwood's lovely rolling hills became slowly populated with designer monuments and truly hefty mausoleums, the road around the cemetery, which was referred to as the tour, became crowded with visitors. At one point, almost a half a million visitors in one year alone. Greenwood is a home of actually several lofty general monuments to the Revolutionary War, to the Civil War, even one to the devastating Brooklyn Fire of 1876, which killed 103 people. It was also a place to hobnob with the rich and famous, even if most of them couldn't hobnob back with you. Joining Dewitt Clinton would be prominent New Yorkers like industrialist Peter Cooper and former Mayor Abram Hewitt. Two of New York's biggest newspaper rivals, James Gordon Bennett of the Herald and Horace Greeley of the Tribune, both ended up here, as well as some people whose scandals kept their publications afloat, including Tammany Hall's boss Tweed, as well as Brooklyn Heights preacher and accused adulterer Henry Ward Beecher in a fairly modest grave with his wife. Meanwhile, the woman Beecher was accused of having an affair with, Elizabeth Tilton, well, she's buried here too, many yards away, but it's in an unmarked grave that's bearing only the word grandmother. But war heroes, politicians, actors, writers, composers, they all came to Greenwood. Eventually, to accommodate the land's growing permanent population, Greenwood grew from 175 acres to almost three times that size, 478 acres. Greenwood's best-known addition, the one I think most people recognize, arrived in the 1860s in the midst of the cemetery's explosive popularity. I don't think I've ever, by the way, strung the words cemetery's explosive popularity before ever in my life. So I'm glad I had a reason to finally do it. But Greenwood's was popular, and Pierpont wanted an elegant theatrical gate to greet the thousands of people who rode through. This being a cemetery in the 1860s, there was basically only one person you could possibly call to design it. His name was Richard Upjohn. He was the British maestro of this style, popularly known as Gothic Revival. Upjohn was, of course, quite known already to many New Yorkers, building many churches, including the Church of New York, essentially, Trinity Church, built in 1846. In fact, Trinity and the main gate at Greenwood look an awful lot alike. They look like cousins, essentially. The red sandstone gate stands at 106 feet and has two ornately carved towers. And it clearly so obviously impressed Henry Evelyn Pierpont that when he finally died in 1888, Upjohn also designed the Pierpont family vault, which you can find right here at Greenwood. Some of Greenwood's social clout would be a little diminished by the construction of Woodlawn Cemetery, which is up in the Bronx, and that was built in 1863, which also admittedly houses an equally impressive roster of famous and wealthy family plots. Greenwood is still very much in use today, with the spread of modern grave markers that sometimes sits very awkwardly alongside these really fancy mausoleums that are scattered throughout. A lot of modern famous names are buried here, but with very simple headstones, people like composer Leonard Bernstein, artist Jean-Michel Basquiat, 
or Fred Ebb, one half of the composing team that, of course, gave us Chicago and Cabaret. Today, you can go on guided tours to the park and even nighttime flashlight tours, which I'm sure are a lot of fun. I've never gone on one. Sounds way too creepy. Thanks to its prominence as a war site, there'll be frequent reenactments here at Greenwood. There'll be musical performances held at the chapel near the gates. When you go in, they provide you with a really easy-to-follow map that you can use so you don't quite get lost along its many kind of winding, crazy paths. There are also lots of different walking guides and tours that you can just take yourself, and I'll post a link to a couple of them, even a couple that I even tried I'll put that on our blog, BoweryBoysPodcast.com. But before you go, before you even enter Greenwood, you need to stand at that Richard Upjohn gate, and before you walk in, just stare up. Most likely, you'll hear them before you see them, these huge nests filled with dozens of wild monk parakeets. They're basically the newest group of immigrants into Greenwood Cemetery and are actually encouraged by cemetery officials as they keep away birds that are far more destructive to the gate's architecture, namely pigeons. Believe it or not, there's actually unusual colonies of wild parrots all over Brooklyn, which I find incredibly weird. But this group, at Greenwood Cemetery is one of the largest. No one knows exactly where they came from, but the popular story that I was able to find is that a batch of them literally fell out at a loading dock at JFK Airport in the 1960s. And a whole flock of them managed to land here at Greenwood Cemetery. And I have to imagine that our friend Henry Evelyn Pierpont would have totally approved of them. So I hope you can go out during October or November. It is really lovely out there. It really isn't that scary unless you want it to be. Um, Their official website will have some information on tours, including, I believe, one or two nighttime tours that that they've got planned. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Tom will be back next week. Have a great New York week, whether you live here or not. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.